Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm India. I'm Harry. And I'm Freddie. And on today's episode of the New Statesman podcast, we discuss the state of the Tory leadership race so far and how Penny Mordaunt has pulled ahead. And you ask us, which candidate would be the best and worst for the environment? So we're recording just before MPs vote in the second round of the Tory leadership contest. We lost Nadim Sahawi and Jeremy Hunt yesterday, so we're down to six remaining candidates. Freddie, could you run us through who's remaining and who seems to be coming out on top? Yes, yeah, so we've got Rishi Sunak on 88, Penny Morden, very close behind on 67. And then we've got Liz Truss, she'll be disappointed with her 50. Kemi Badenot got 40, Tom Tuganak got 37, Suella Braverman got 32. So you've got to remember that they needed 30 MPs to support them to get through. And then Zahawi and Hunt, they're out. Okay, so presumably if, you know, they don't have to get that 30 MP threshold and it's just the lowest who gets out next time, are we expecting that to be... So, I mean, obviously a lot of our listeners will be listening to this after that result, so we won't dwell on it too much, but... Suella's already lost, guys. Ah, I mean, I was just telling the, the, the listeners of the future. That she's, uh, lost. she's already lost. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> on the 30 rule, I've spoken to, well, I'm Harry, you might know more than me. I've spoken to three people now and they all Always. disagree on what actually the rule is, whether the 30 rule is staying for each of the rounds or whether it's gone, or whether it's just. Yeah, that's the, a good question I was wondering as well. I've asked three people who said they've right. all seen the rules and they've not given me a consistent answer. So I don't think we know that. OK, we don't know that for sure. No, but I think. Either way, the person with the least votes is going to get removed. Sure, but I had one MP say to me last night, if we get a coalescence around some of the front runners, then you might see multiple people drop out sure. if they can't get 30. Two so and the a half might also lose, you mean? So the rule does matter, but it's just not clear, okay. as far as I can tell, what the rules are. Well, just on that, I think the Tugendhat camp was certainly hopeful that it was going to pick up some Zahawi and Hunt backers, but I think they'll probably actually, as Freddie says coalesce around Rishi and, and Penny but but Tugendhat would have to lose eight backers and pick up none to get eliminated along with Suella so I think there's a pretty good chance that he'll go through and then the, the key thing now is we're about to move to a new stage of the contest we're going to have two leaders debates televised leaders debates before the next round of voting on Monday on Friday and on Sunday we're going to have debates and it should be actually a really interesting quintet of candidates because you've got Rishi You've got Tugendhat, 
you've got Penny Morden and you'll have Liz Truss and Kemi Badenoch. And that's just, that five is a, is a real mix of views and hopefully they will attack one another with entertaining insight. Okay, because it's really interesting so far because we assumed Rishi Sunak was the front runner and of course he has got the most MP nominations. But Boris Johnson and Theresa May at this stage of their respective leadership contests were, were miles ahead, weren't they? Yeah, Theresa May at this stage was on 165 votes and Boris Johnson was on 114 they were at that time the unrivaled favourites and we're not seeing that at the moment, uh, which just makes the, the race much more unpredictable and interesting. Yeah, because when there's not an obvious favourite, it's not obvious what MPs should do because I'm not calling Tory MPs cynical, perish the thought, but a lot of them would rally round who they thought would be the winning candidate because it's good for their career prospects and also, you know, there may be a sense of, well, if this person is an obvious winner, then they might be an obvious winner in the country as well. But that doesn't seem to be happening at the moment and there's a lot of conversation about the the perhaps unexpected success of Penny Morden, who is pretty untested. I mean, I was speaking to some people who who have worked for her and know about her career, and she's not someone who did a lot of media. She's not someone who's who's a sort of ideological zealot either. So the, people don't necessarily know that much about her, even within the party. Uh, is that what you're picking up? Yeah, she's a submarine candidate. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think she has avoided the media thus far. She left her launch event till quite late. All... Uh, intentional uh, and I think that served her well many MPs I mean she's been talking to MPs for a very long time so she was able to build up that support out of the limelight and that's come to the fore at the moment yeah I think another point to make is we knew before yesterday's first ballot how many people had publicly supported each candidate but so what was really interesting was to compare the first ballot results with the number of people that publicly come out for them. That, that way you could see how many undeclared MPs went for each candidate. And 34 went for Sunak and 30 went for Penny Morden, which shows you the fact that they were so close, how the race is shifting. People who were deciding late or people who hadn't come out publicly were essentially split between the two, which was, I think, an indication of travel. I mean, it'd be really interesting to see not so much who's been eliminated because we expect that to be Braverman, but what has happened to that gap between Morden and Sunak and how close it's got. And just on your point, Anoush, about Morden's lack of experience, I think many MPs at the moment are looking and focusing on character. One MP told me last night politics is about feel, which uh, sounded a bit creepy, but I think they were trying to get at the point... <laughs> well, it has been for a while, hasn't well, it? Well, <laughs> quite. And it's trying to get at the point that it's about how contestants come across and it's not so much about their cabinet experience and we are seeing throughout this contest the lesser known candidates do quite well perhaps in part because the Tories are so focused on getting a fresh face but also because they're not tarnished by Johnson's cabinet and the association with his undignified decline. Yeah, well, it certainly does seem to be about feel because when you look at this polling of Tory members that we've had coming out, you have Penny Morden and Kemi Badenoch, for example, doing very well. Now, they're both very different sort of ideologically in terms of their views on the economy or on social issues, for example. So it does suggest that there's there's a want for a fresh face, but also a vibe, as Freddie articulated there. Yeah, and just on that, I think the really interesting thing about the YouGov poll, which came out yesterday and, yeah. and, and upended the entire race, a poll which showed Penny Morden beating Sunak by almost 40 points among Tory party members, is if you look at the, the sample of members, 79% of the Tory party membership are leavers. Only 21% are Remainers. Sunak beats Morden, Truss, everyone else among Remainers, but he's getting crushed among leavers. Now, the irony here, of course, is that Sunak backed Brexit, but, but people don't think of him as a Brexiteer. 
And because Penny Morden is very adept at standing in front of Union Jacks, they think she is. And this is the problem that I think Sunak has. And as, as someone put it, Brexit is a mood, not a policy. Hmm. And she fits that mood. Just on that as well, on the poll, I thought it was interesting that Morden got quite an even split between Remainers and Leavers. Uh, and it sort of speaks to the fact that she has got this broad appeal. So she has, as you say, uh, still many, in front of many flags, but she's also got quite a socially liberal background. And I think that's plays to both sides. Yeah, and just on that to clarify, it's Morden's doing well with both groups, whereas Sunak's only really doing well with Remainers. Yeah. yeah, and you can see that, you know, from, from I mean, obviously they've all got a mix of backers. It's a bit of a cliche to say that they've got support from across the party. But you can see from Morden's backers, you know, she's got some classic Cameroons like George Freeman, Damian Collins, Boris backers, Red Wall voices like Alicia Kearns, and also former leadership candidates, Andrea Leadsom, and then David Davis as well, who is a big beast in the party. And, and the fact that people are sort of projecting onto her what they want to believe suggests that she could pick up supporters from candidates as they drop out whoever they are. For example, Tom Tugendhat you know, co-chair of the China Research Group of those Beijing sceptic MPs that's one thing that Penny Mordaunt sort of was on before it was cool if you like, so she might pick up some of that. Again, and I think she'll be helped in the debates by the fact that she's essentially in the middle of the people either side of her she's got Rishi and Tom to her left if you like, and then she's got Truss and Kemi Badenoch to her right and she will appear as the the sort of moderate saying second choice for everyone who then becomes the first choice. So I think she's she's in a great position. But I think, look, there's plenty of time here for, for her to stumble. I can't remember exactly what it was now. Two weeks ago, weren't we saying Boris Johnson was going to be in office until... <laughs> Don't remind our <laughs> listeners of that. <laughs> the, the rest of the year. And so, look, there's there's still time for things, things to shift, I think, both in the next week and, and also in the campaign. Yeah, and also what's important about these candidates we know less about is we know less about how they perform when they're asked difficult questions. I think you made this point in a recent piece, Harry, about how people have an advantage who don't look scared or annoyed when they're when they're asked a difficult question mm-hmm. in their leadership campaign launches or indeed sort of in media interviews. And we'll see some of that in the TV debates. So there's more of a chance of someone like Penny Morden, who's less tested, of sort of making a gaffe or sort of blowing herself up in some way in that kind of environment. Yeah, I would just say on that, I think that Truss is quite quite susceptible to gas. I think I just watched her uh, launch debate and she walked out the wrong way and then someone had to drag her towards the exit. So she is also quite often... Did she go left but should have gone right? Oh, well, (laughs) inept communicator. So it's not just the lesser-known candidates who who may struggle there. Well, it's it's actually, I think, almost the inverse. So the lesser-known candidates, I think, are popular because the party is looking at the people they've they've long had to deal with and and seeing that they're pretty poor at at, at handling questions. I mean, both from Truss and from Rishi. Mm. You know, Rishi is just, he's robotic. You saw it in his campaign video. He's speaking to us all like he's a Blue Peter presenter and we're five. And, and, (laughs) you know, the whole thing has a corporate feel. And I just don't, he never, he's never had that touch that makes you think he's an actual politician. So... This could be key to this Tory membership polling because I was doing a bit of research into what Tory members actually like, who they are, you know, what they prioritise in a leader. And what's most interesting is when they were put qualities in their next leader to them in a a poll, their top thing was being in touch with ordinary people. Mm. The second thing was being able to unite the nation as prime minister. And the third was strength and authority. So none of those particularly suggest a sort of desire for ideological purity or perhaps even someone who can unite the Conservative Party. It's about uniting the country. And that suggests that they're reading that in Penny Morden more than someone like Rishi yeah. Sunak because of that robotic quality that you just outlined. Harry. Yeah, and I think if you look at PMQs as well, I spoke about this in my piece on Wednesday, Labour are very attuned to that. 
no one minds someone being a millionaire, but if they don't pay their taxes, that's when it becomes an issue. Yeah. And I think all six, I think, or five at least, of Starmer's questions were focused on the tax affairs of the candidates. Labour already know that's going to be an issue because, speaking to your point, Anoush, it makes them look out of touch. It makes them look like they're playing the system and it makes it look unfair. And just lastly, before we move on to the next section, is there any way that the the right of the party can unite around one candidate and kind of be the, either the stop Rishi or indeed the stop Penny kind of movement that I expect many MPs are hoping that they'll be able to Freddie's do? Freddie shaking his head. I, I don't think so either. I think the only person they could unite behind would be Kemi Badenoch, not Liz Truss. Right. Liz Truss is having a terrible campaign. She just won the support of 14% of MPs, despite having openly being touted as and running as the successor to Boris Johnson. And she's foreign secretary. And and she's only 10 MPs in the first round ahead of Kami Badenoch, who has never been in the cabinet. So if if the right is going to unite around anyone, it's going to have to be, I think, Kemi. And Badenoch has a really interesting mix of supporters. They range from Lee Anderson, who is the MP for Ashfield and has gone viral for various strong views, should we say, and to Michael Gove and Neil O'Brien, who are two of the smarter members of the Tory party. So Badnock has an interesting coalition. I just can't really see Steve Bakers, who's running Suella Braverman's campaign, or the people behind Trust getting behind her, because everyone thinks they're the best. Mm. Just to build on that, lots of people talk about a campaign to keep Rishi out of Downing Street. There's also a campaign to keep Liz Truss out of Downing Street. Lots of Tory MPs I've spoken to this week feel very passionately about keeping her away from power because they, they passionately, viscerally dislike her and they think she's quite dangerous. But crucially, there is no campaign as yet to keep Penny Morden out of Downing Street. And right. that's, the, that's the thing. That's why the Unite will only unite around a common enemy. And Penny Morden has not yet been blackened in that way so that's why she could she get through right why is that i mean is that is that because people just didn't expect her to be so far ahead she just hasn't alienated people in the same way you know rishi's taken a lot of tough decisions trust is ideologically considered to be unsound and erratic and 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 it's the submarine candidate yeah i think that's right lots of people didn't expect her to do well so there's no need for that campaign and i think now that we have seen her do well you have seen quite a lot of vicious briefing, especially on her views on uh, trans rights, but also you saw Lord Frost come out this morning, say that she wasn't very good when they worked together on Brexit. So maybe now she's doing well, we'll see more of that concerted effort come to the fore. But she's just so close to the finish line. It's only five, six days to survive. Let's see what happens. Hi, it's Anoush here. This is just a reminder that as a podcast listener, you have the option of subscribing to the New Statesman with a very special offer. You can subscribe for just a pound a week. That's 12 weeks for £12 if you go to newstatesman.com forward slash podcast offer. We'll be right back. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman in digital, in print or both from as little as £1 a week. That's 12 weeks for just £12. That's one euro a week in Europe and just $2 a week in America. Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. (laughs) 
And now it's time for a section we like to call You Ask Us. Perfectly done, India. Thank you so much. So I'm delighted to be joined by our environment correspondent, India Bork, because we've got a question today from a listener that's very important, important to the futures of all of us. Who of likely new leaders of the Conservative Party will be the best and who will be the worst for the environment and why? And that's sent by Nikki. Thanks so much for writing in. Net Zero is getting a bit of a pummeling in this leadership election so far. Kemi Badenoch has called it unilateral economic disarmament and uh, would scrap it if she were to get in. What are the other candidates saying and, and what does it mean? It's pretty depressing. <laughs> um, you were saying earlier on the podcast that a lot can still change and I really hope a lot changes on what the candidates are saying about climate and environment. Essentially... If you talk to people in the green bubble at the moment, you'll find that they are dividing into kind of a cynical camp and an optimistic camp about what the ultimate leadership result will will mean for climate. And I'm afraid I'm currently falling into the cynical camp <laughs> quite strongly. And there's lots of reasons for that. But do you want me to start with the worst candidate and move to the best? Yeah, let's do that to give our listeners a bit of a journey. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, probably technically the worst, I would say, is Suella Braverman. She has said she would suspend the net zero target. So the UK has signed up to reaching net zero by 2050 and also to reduce emissions by 78% by 2035 as well. And that's enshrined in law. That's something the scientific experts have said is absolutely necessary. It's something Parliament's legal processes put on the statute books. And yet we've got three out of the six candidates at the moment saying that they would either suspend or revise that target, revise it downwards. If anything, it needs to be revised to be made faster. And they're saying, oh, we should revise it to make it slower. Sweller is one of those. Her campaign is also being run by Steve Baker MP, who's the co-chair of the Net Zero Scrutiny Group of MPs who are quite climate sceptic. They want to slow, again, the transition to a kind of greener economy. And he's also trustee of something called the Global Warming Policy Foundation, which is a very well-known climate denial group. And so, yeah, she's, I would say, she, so she has this line that net zero would lead to net zero growth which is just false like treasury reports yeah it's a very this is the problem that the rhetoric against net zero is so slick but it's it's wrong it's it's just not true (laughs) it would actually boost gdp and the faster we get there probably the more benefits that would be the one i'm probably most worried about in terms of her position on the issue is bad but her rhetoric is also extremely slick is Kemi Badenoch. Uh, so as you said in your intro, she said net zero is a unilateral economic disarmament or would be an act of it. And that's false. It was not unilateral. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's something like almost 90% of the global GDP countries have signed up to a net zero target. It's something the whole world is doing. If we didn't do it, that would be a unilateral thing. <laughs> and it's also that that term disarmament just struck me as so insensitive at a time when, you know, war on on European soil and to be talking, using, throwing around words like disarmament as, as a kind of form of rhetoric seemed so distasteful and wrong. Um, she also th- says there's a better... So her line is that there's a better way of going about these things on net zero. And what that means is there's a slower way of going about it. And she came out with a line, uh, people don't want to answer questions on grid capacity. They just want to tie themselves to buildings and protest. 
again, it's just not true. There's so much work being done and, you know, suggestions being put forward on how to solve the grid capacity problems. So it's just frustrating when you just get people putting out lies at this level of politics. And then if I wrap up the kind of my three bottom candidates at the moment, Tom Tugendhat, surprisingly, I would put in that group. So he has been very, very good on climate in the past. Well, good on climate, maybe. (laughs) He's a member of the Conservation Environment Network, a group, SEN, the MPs who actually are trying to, you know, say and do good things on climate and environment. And he's previously defended the net zero target and said, look, this is really important for energy security. But at a hastings last night, he joined the other two in saying he would suspend the net zero target. And there's something very odd going on there. And he, he probably is maybe playing a game and trying to pander to the right wing of the party. And maybe he thinks the membership is more climate sceptic than maybe the general voting public. And you can be like, oh, well, maybe he'd change his mind if it came to a general election. But in my book, that's disingenuous and dangerous. Like the more you put these arguments out there in the public discourse, the more they're going to stick. And they're, they're so damaging. And the opposite is true in so many cases. Mm. And I think there are 60 odd uh, Tory MPs who are in that net zero scrutiny group who you mentioned. So it may be that some of the candidates are making a pitch for their votes. So when you say playing a game, it could be playing an electoral game among the Tory MP electorate rather than the Tory membership, who we know from the research that I was doing can have quite different views about the world than the MPs who represent them. So it could be that it's just for sort of these rounds. But like you say, you know, that is cynical. And if you're adding to the discourse that net zero isn't necessary or that it ought to be slower, then that's going to have an impact on how people feel about the policy. Exactly. And it's very interesting. Within the general public, polling shows you know, people overwhelmingly support action on climate. Within the Tory party, there's loads of interesting polling. Set about 78% of Tory members support something like actions that will protect future generations. And I think that's quite a clear mandate to act on climate change. Uh, but polling just this week shows that 22% of Tory members think the government is underreacting on climate, so not doing enough. And sadly, 37% think it's overreacting. And that really means to be the other way around. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I mean, it's not as bad. And 30% think they're doing about right. And sadly, I think what the candidates will probably read into that is we should just continue doing about the same as we're doing now, which if if then if and when the a leader is elected and and ultimately that is not enough <laughs> the climate change committee and their latest report is like look the government urgently needs to be doing more if it's going to meet its legal legal goals and the problem with climate change is not doing enough extra on top of what we're doing now it's almost as bad as backtracking like right. you know the world just won't, won't You've fix got to it overcorrect. exactly and the current state of the tory debate is it's debating whether we should go slower instead of whether we should go faster. And we need to be debating going faster. (laughs) So which of the candidates would be the best for the environment then? So Liz Truss, Penny Morden and Rishi Sunak have all said that they would keep the net zero goal. Now, to be honest, it's kind of like a baseline for like, that that should just be a given for all of them. But at least those three have come out and said that. Liz Truss has quite close ties to libertarian think tanks and is pro-deregulation and has been quite pro-fossil fuel in the past. So I, I think it's quite unlikely she would do anything to help meet net zero. And then we're going to be in a situation, actually I fear, with all of these three candidates where we kind of 
end up missing missing the target by default. As she, you know, she's cut solar subsidies in the past. She's in trade deal negotiations. She's failed to mention climate change with countries like Australia, which are terrible on the issue. So yeah, she's not doesn't inspire much confidence. Both her and Penny Mordaunt, as well as saying they would keep net zero, they have also said they would suspend green levies on energy bills. Now, this isn't a bad thing in itself if they're proposing moving those levies to general taxation, which I think is is what people are assuming, but they haven't actually really detailed that. And that's fine, but the problem is, again, this is it all feels like the messaging is going in the wrong direction. Even if it would be better to move those green levies off energy bills and into general taxation, it's sending a message almost that the green levies are responsible for the rising energy prices. They're not. You know, it's the international situation with oil and gas that's responsible for the rising energy price. And actually, things like green levies and green reform and investment in renewables and investment in home insulation, that's what's going to bring energy prices down and the cost of living down. And yet we're not hearing anyone make that obvious and vitally important case. Instead, there's, you know, by suggesting taking the green levies away, it's almost suggesting, it's almost blaming it by Mm. insinuation. So I'm very worried about that. And that very much is the argument of a lot of Tory MPs and has been for a while that some of the answers to the cost of living crisis or some things that could ease it are cutting green levies and also, you know, not spending as much on net zero Um, Yeah, and it's maddening. It's maddening because the answer is literally the opposite. Insulate your home, and if you have government help to insulate your home, because it is very expensive, then you can you pay less. You need less energy, so you pay less on your bill. It's and you save the environment as well. So (laughs) it's kind of a no-brainer, but it's not being played that way, which is I think is really concerning at this level. Penny Mordaunt has also to her credit, has, is pretty much the only one to have actually come out so far and said positive things about the net zero transition. She actually said it would create millions of green jobs and it was such a relief to see someone finally say that in this race. But she hasn't actually said how, so still TBC. <laughs> and is Rishi Sunak basically just status quo, oh, keep it as it is? Rishi Sunak has been worrying me so much because <laughs> I do think Penny Morden stands quite a good chance now, but obviously Sunak is seen as a front runner mm. and he would keep net zero and he also importantly has the support of an MP called Chris Skidmore who is chair of the net zero support group so the people in parliament who are pressing for more action on climate which is great but unfortunately I, I just can't trust that he will act on it. He's accused of holding back green investment as chancellor. He scrapped something called the Green Homes Grant which would have helped with getting that much needed insulation in people's homes And ultimately, I think he's unlikely to do more than we saw Boris Johnson do, partly because he doesn't have a lot of green voices in his ear. I mean, Boris ended up pandering to the right wing of the party and not doing as much as he maybe could or should have done on climate. But at least he did listen to people like uh, Zach Goldsmith, like Chris Skidmore, like Carrie Johnson even. And he had that kind of narrative going on as well. I don't think Sunak has that. And ultimately, I think you have to look at his recent windfall tax, which should have been, you know, something that was good for climate and the green transition. And instead, he snuck a tax break for fossil fuel companies in there. And I Mm. I really think that says all you need to know about him, which is this isn't something he sees the, the emergency of. Yeah, well, that's the fascinating thing, isn't it? Because with the loss of Boris Johnson, he was an unusual 
right-wing populist in one sense because he always stuck to his commitment to trying to you know, trying to help the situation with the planet sticking to his climate change sort of principles which is quite unusual when you think of this sort of other leaders that might mirror his kind of leadership and i was asked similar questions actually about his commitment to helping ukraine through through the invasion by our colleagues on the world review podcast which is also out today and that actually made me drill down into each of the candidates foreign policy positions which was which was interesting to do so you can have a listen to that if you want to hear more but it's always good to choose scrutinize the policy commitments of these candidates even if they may morph as the campaign goes on thanks so much for joining us india thank you for having me you've been listening to the new statesman podcast with me anusha kellyan and my colleagues india bork harry lambert and freddie hayward we're produced by may robson and our music is devil with the devil licensed under creative commons thanks so much for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a nice review Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.